Welcome to Word Journeys, a podcast about etymology and the surprising stories behind the origins of English words. This is Dallas, coming to you from Philadelphia. Today's episode will be the first of our periodic survey episodes, in which we'll survey all the modern English words derived from a certain language or language family. Here's the logic behind having episodes like this. If we think about where English words come from, the distribution is roughly as follows. 29% of modern English words come from French or Old Norman. Another 29% come from Latin. 26% come from Germanic languages, chiefly Old English and Old Norse. Then there's 6% for Greek, 4% derived from proper names, and that leaves 6% for everything else. Words from all other languages are of unknown origin. And that 6% includes widely spoken languages such as Spanish, Italian, Dutch, and Hindi. But words derived from rare or even extinct languages are still important contributions that have shaped modern English, and these words are our focus today. This week's selection is the Arawak language family, which contains the languages spoken by many indigenous groups in Central and South America. The most influential member of this family on modern English is the Taino language. The Taino people inhabited many of the large islands in the Caribbean prior to the arrival of Christopher Columbus. Once the Spanish conquistadors arrived, however, the Taino people were subject to brutal treatment, and through smallpox, warfare, and enslavement, the Taino population was virtually wiped out only a hundred years after Columbus had arrived. Since the Taino were one of the first indigenous groups of the Americas encountered by European explorers, many of their words found their way into European languages. Our journey today will touch on flora and fauna, food and fun, and we'll also meet some pirates, so stay tuned. If I asked you to picture a savanna, you would probably imagine an African landscape full of elephants, rhinos, and giraffes. If you asked an English speaker in the late 17th century to picture a savanna, they would likely also imagine a treeless plain, but in Florida, not Africa. For a large portion of its time as an English word, savanna described a chiefly North American landscape. It ultimately comes from the Taino word sabana, which could be inferred to mean a flat, green, tropical plain. Its first use in Spanish can be traced to the writings of Oviedo, a Spanish historian who participated in the Spanish colonization of the New World. In his 1535 Natural History of the Indies, Oviedo included a dictionary of some words used by the indigenous tribes, one of which was sabana. Its first written usage in English occurred in 1555, and most early usages in Spanish and English came from geographical accounts of the New World. Its first literary appearance came in the novel Robinson Crusoe in 1719. Quote, On the bank of this brook I found many pleasant savannas, or meadows, plain, smooth, and covered with grass. It was used in English, apparently, chiefly to describe the low-lying, flat, and grassy landscape of Florida. There's actually some contention about whether the Taino and then Spanish word savanna is the etymology of Savannah, Georgia. We know that Savannah, the city, was named after the Savannah River, but after that the story is less clear. There was an indigenous tribe of the area which came into contact with English colonists beginning in the late 17th century, who were called the Shawnee by the English. The Shawnee appeared to refer to themselves as Sawanoki, which in their language probably meant Southerners. Some contend that the Sawanoki, or 
Sawano, as they are sometimes called, gave their name to the Savannah River. Others contend that Shawnee is derived from the Algonquin Sawano, but the city of Savannah is named from the Spanish Savannah after the grassland. But leaving behind that etymological open question, we know for sure that the word Savannah didn't have a lasting impact in describing North American climates, and maybe this has to do with its seemingly malleable definition. It is frequently cited in the 18th and 19th centuries with varying definitions, sometimes as a treeless plain, sometimes as a marsh or bog, and other times still as an open pine woodland. The words meadow, woods, forest, and especially prairie, derived through French from the Latin pratum, meaning meadow, all took hold to describe North American landscapes instead of savannah. It is difficult to pinpoint or quantify in my initial hypothesis that savannah is today closely associated with Africa, and maybe recent media such as the Lion King might have influenced this association. But nonetheless, the savannas of the world can point their etymological origin to a people living on the islands of the Caribbean. Another familiar site in the Caribbean, and in most tropical regions on Earth, are mangrove swamps, although the term mangrove swamp isn't attested in English until 1769. The Spanish had been referring to dense, thick vegetation in coastal areas as manglay since 1519, a term they took from an Arawakan language. The Portuguese manguei is from the same root, from 1552, and it eventually found its way into English by 1613 as mangrove, described by a historian and apparent pun enthusiast as a plant that, quote, grows very strangely and would make a man wonder to see the manner of their growing. Mangrove became mangrove through the influence of the word grove, which already existed in English. Other English words derived from Arawakan languages include anol, iguana, and caiman, all names of reptiles which thrived in the tropical climate of the Caribbean. Coming up next, two words that would be part of any perfect day. Many goods, foods, and animals were introduced to Europe from the Americas after Columbus's voyage, and these items of the Colombian exchange include the turkey, the avocado, and the potato, just to name a few. But one item that is rarely mentioned but which had a surprisingly immediate impact, was the hammock. Columbus's diaries describe hamacas, the local term for the hanging beds the Taino used for sleeping. Anthropologists believe that hammocks have been used in Central America since around 1000 AD, and they were made either from tree bark or from fibers of the sisal plant, part of the agave family. Being elevated off the ground protected the occupant from snakes, insects, or other rodents, and Columbus noted that they would keep hot coals underneath the hammocks for warmth. Walter Raleigh, in his surveys of Guiana, observed similar use of hamacas among the indigenous tribes there, and he called these structures Brazil beds. The European powers soon found a practical use for these devices. They were particularly well-suited for sea voyages. They didn't take up as much space as bunk beds. And bunk beds were also fixed into the ship, so if a ship encountered rough waters and rocked violently, sleepers would be thrown out of their bunks and onto the deck, which was painful and dangerous. Sailors sleeping in suspended hammocks, however, would remain stationary in the hammock as the ship rocked around them, and they wouldn't be thrown out. The Royal Navy adopted hammocks in 1597, and the first ones were made of canvas, 
and they became commonplace on ships, in prisons, or anywhere else where space might need to be conserved. They were also easy to enclose in mosquito nets, and were used extensively in the Panama Canal Zone to prevent against the spread of yellow fever. There was another Arawakan word which could refer to a sleeping apparatus that survives in English today. An elevated frame of sticks upon which people often slept was called a barbecue, or maybe barbico. A framework of this type was more commonly used as a kind of grill to cook and smoke meat over a fire, and this is ultimately where we get our word barbecue. The Spanish called it barbacoa, a word still used in Spanish today to refer to meat slow-cooked over a fire. Barbecue entered English in 1661, and came to refer also to the social gathering for communal consumption of meat in 1733. Although this next word isn't technically from Arawak, it's worth mentioning. The Tupi people of Brazil engaged in the same process of long, slow cooking using a grill framework, and they called this process either mucum or bucum. Whereas the Spanish called this process barbacoa, the French derived their term for the same process from the Tupi, and the Tupi word bucum became boucan in French, or when used as a verb, boucanier. This term began to be applied to French hunters in the West Indies, who used the grill, or boucan, to smoke meat, and they were called boucaniers. When these French hunters were driven from Hispaniola in 1630 and joined up with other groups in the area and turned to piracy, the English word buccaneer was born. And while we're on the subject of meat preparation in the Caribbean in the 17th century, the Spanish had a word for preparing meat by drying it in the sun and cutting it into long strips. It was taken from the Quechua language of South America, and the term was charqui. An Englishman, writing in 1707, recounted seeing this process of charqui, which he rendered in English as jerking. And so this Quechua word through Spanish is the origin of jerk, as in jerk chicken, and jerky, as in beef jerky. We've already discussed some terms originating with the preparation and consumption of meat, and there are even more words derived from types of food or crops. Taino-derived food words include yucca, cassava, guava, and papaya. There's also their word for corn, mahiz, which entered English as maize. The corn that the pilgrims ate the first Thanksgiving was not called maize by the indigenous tribes of New England. We're in fact told by one chronicler that at least according to one tribe, it was called Ewakim. Maize instead arrived in English via Spanish, and the terms maize, Indian corn, and Indian maize were used interchangeably by early English colonists. There are two more derivatives I'll mention, which represent two of the most influential crops brought to Europe. The first is the potato, which comes from the Taino crop batata. The batata was the name for a kind of tuberous root that today we would call the sweet potato. Columbus brought this back, and it immediately began to be cultivated in Spain, and batata became patata over time, which became potato in English. The crop which today we would simply call potato is a distant relative of the sweet potato, and it was first encountered by Spanish conquistadors in the Andes in the 1530s. It was called by the indigenous people the papa in the Quechua language. This papa reached Spain in 1570. England had this crop by the late 1570s, and English agriculturalists called it the Virginia potato, 
for a long time erroneously attributing its origin to Virginia. Slowly, as it began to be more widely cultivated and became a staple crop of many areas, the Virginia potato became known as the potato, while the batata, Columbus's initial introduction, became known as the sweet potato. This linguistic shift was so scattered and confused that for many things written in the 18th century, it's unclear which crop the term potato refers to. The other crop word from Taino is tobacco, which is taken almost directly from the Taino word. It originally referred to either one of two related things. Oviedo in 1535 notes that tobacco is the term for the Y-shaped pipe that was used to smoke tobacco leaves. One end of the pipe would be placed near a burning plant, and the other two ends would be held up to each nostril. According to Bartolomé de las Casas in 1552, however, the tobacco referred to the roll of leaves of the tobacco plant. Smoking the leaves of this plant was already popular among the Spanish colonists for its stimulating effect, and it caught on in Europe, and the word entered many different European languages. The same root is also the source of the name of Tobago, as in Trinidad and Tobago. Columbus encountered the archipelago in 1498 and named the main island Trinidad, meaning the island of the Trinity. The origin of Tobago is the word tobacco, though it's unclear whether it was named for the crop because of the local custom of smoking tobacco, or because the island's contours create the image of the smoking implement when viewed from the sea. And finally, similarly to how the Spanish barbaco was known to the French as boucan, the plant called tobacco by the Spanish was encountered by the Germans and the Portuguese in Brazil, where the indigenous tribes called it betum. This became petun, and the similarity of the tobacco plant to a certain flowering plant led the flower to be named the petunia. Since this week was a survey, we won't do our cognate corner segment, but I'll leave you with the one important Taino derivative I haven't mentioned yet. That would be hurricane. From Huracan, the name of the Taino storm god, whom they believed lived on El Yunque Mountain in Puerto Rico and sent strong winds and rain when he was upset. The deity was depicted with swirling arms, indicating that the Taino knew of the storm's swirling wind patterns. Hurricanes today are widely reported in the press, and human names are attached to them. The practice of naming tropical storms is generally credited to British meteorologist Clement Ragg, who started naming cyclones in 1887. In 1944, army forecasters in the Pacific started informally naming typhoons after their wives and girlfriends. This became a trend in meteorology and in the media, and hurricanes began to be named for women. It wasn't until 1978, after almost 25 years of lobbying, that hurricane naming lists included male names for the first time. That's it for this week. If you would like more information on this topic, or if you want to see a list of words that were covered in the episode, just visit our website at www.wordjourneyspodcast.com. There, you will also find a contact page to write in with questions, comments, or suggestions for future topics. Music in this episode comes from the Advent Chamber Orchestra. Audio help came from Brad Rose. This is Dallas Simons. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.